Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ and this is the Overlook Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Sequoia Cooper. Sequoia Cooper is a 33-year-old transgender woman missing from Columbus, Ohio. Femi describes Sequoia as a tough shell to crack, a headstrong go-getter who always kept a smile on their face and always knew how to make people laugh, cracking jokes. Femi states, all she ever wanted was to be accepted. She was one who made sure to get her point across, but always did it with love and good intentions. Now, Sequoia was last seen August 31st, 2021 in Columbus, Ohio. She was last seen traveling in her Black Ford Fusion around 11.30 p.m. that night. She was reported missing by her partner, Richard, when she didn't come back home. Now, where it is, it took place about three days to respond to the family when Sequoia went missing. Apparently, they had a detective for the case, but they were on vacation. There was no response until that particular detective got back. From what we know, now when Sequoia left her home to go to the store, she was in the North Columbus area around Howie Road. And again, she was just supposed to be running to the store real quickly to pick up some water and come right back. But Sequoia never came back. And not only that, we find out that she never made it to the store at all. While it does seem like the police have certain clues and tips, None of that has been released to the public. It's reported that right before Sequoia left, she did get a text message, but we're not really sure if that text message was related to her disappearance or not. What we do know is that she planned to return home that night, but it hasn't thus far. Now, when Sequoia originally went missing, there were articles and news stations did feature her story, but it was very centralized and very local. And it really felt like there wasn't any tips or clues coming in. But what we discover is police, they actually had a couple tips and clues that they were keeping in their back pocket. In February of 2022, it was announced that police had actually discovered Sequoia's car back in October. Now, when the car was recovered, they searched it and they have cause to believe that based on what they found, Sequoia may have been a victim of foul play. Now, police, they haven't exactly said what was found. They have been keeping that under wraps, but they did say that the evidence that they found lead them to believe that eh, there's definitely some people out there that know a lot more about where Sequoia is. Now, a family member has said that they were also told that when Sequoia's car was found that there were two men in that car. And we also find out that that car was also found with stolen plates. As far as we know, the men have been questioned, but neither one has been arrested or named as suspects or even people of interest. The story that was told was that they got the car from some type of street deal and that's all they knew. 
And obviously that brings up a few different questions. Like, where was the scar found exactly? We keep getting generalized statements like the west side of Columbus, but I couldn't find sources that said exactly what area. It's the same thing with the evidence that was found in the car that lead police to believe that foul play was involved. But what exactly is that evidence? And here's the thing, I'm asking, yes, somewhat because I'm nosy, but like also some of the things that we have been given just don't make sense. There were people found with the car, but they're not suspects. They're people of interest. And not only that, but okay, fine. There's people found with the car. They thought they got a hot deal and they know nothing. Sure, let's go with that. But when you add along the fact that police then took the car, examined it, and found evidence that showed some type of foul play, uh, that kind of seems odd. I mean, you're buying a car off the street. You don't know a lot of details. You don't really know who you're buying it from. Plus, the car itself has enough evidence that police now think that foul play was involved in regards to Sequoia. But you still went ahead and bought that car and you didn't ask questions. But that's where we are. We don't know what that evidence is. It kind of leaves you wanting to side eye the whole thing because... And there's a lot of things about that that just does not seem right. Now, again, this is all information that police withheld until February. And it seems like they did this because they actually had a couple of tips. In a press conference held in February of 2022, it is revealed that police did initially have tips that came in, but they got to the point where they exhausted all of those tips and it looks like they may have got some good tips because again they found her car and the car was about a good 15 20 minutes away from where she was supposed to be going i personally believe that the columbus police have a lot more information that we probably won't get into a little bit later there was a case I covered last season where there was a Black woman also missing from Columbus, Ohio. And from what I remember in that case, the Columbus police kind of did the same thing. They were working on things in the background, but they really weren't releasing a lot to the public or really the family. But then we would randomly get updates in the case and you would see, oh, wait, there, there was work being done. They just kept that under wraps. And sometimes that's needed in cases. Police have to keep some of their information to themselves until they find certain angles, exhaust certain leads, just to not spook the people involved. And we get that. We understand that. But the issue that comes into play when family and the community don't really know what's going on, and it becomes a matter of, okay, are they working and things are being done slowly on the side and with precision and care? Or is this an excuse being tossed out and this is a person who's filed and case is being forgotten? Now, the reason why this issue is being brought up is because Sequoia is a Black trans woman and there's been an increase in violence against trans women across the nation. And Black trans women are especially vulnerable. And when it comes to violence against transgender individuals, there's definitely a difference in the way in which these cases are covered and also in the ways in which our communities respond. According to the Human Rights Campaign, also known as the HRE, in 2021, at least transgendered or gender non-conforming individuals were murdered. And a lot of these individuals were Black and Hispanic. And 
The thing is, that number, that isn't even the complete number. The HRC has an additional list of transgender non-conforming individuals who died under suspicious circumstances that are still considered to be under investigation. And so I bring this up because we need to talk about why this is a thing. Why is it okay for trans women to go missing, be murdered, or violated, and everyone kind of skirt around the issue not really wanting to talk about it or address it or bring too much attention to it? At what point is the fact that a person, a human being, has gone missing, has been attacked, not take precedent over things like race, gender identity, orientation, or your personal discomfort? I break it up because it's a real question that deserves real answers. We cannot say we want to focus on Black and Brown missing persons and neglect to address the plight of Black and Brown individuals who are members of the LGBT community. And here's the thing, media representation and the media putting spotlights on these cases is a thing, and it is a thing that needs to be addressed. But also, the information that's put out there. Last year, I made a conscious effort of wanting to cover more cases that spotlighted missing individuals from marginalized sections of our community. But it was a struggle. When I looked for trans women's cases or trans men's cases to cover, there was such a lack of information. Last year, I did an episode in season one, episode 26, The Disappearance of Derek LaShawn Evans and Pauline Del Mundo. Now, Derek LaShawn Evans is a Black gay male and Paulina Del Mundo, a Filipino trans woman. I had to combine both cases to make one full episode because I struggled to find information. And before I came to their names, I actually tried to research about 10 other cases when I came to the conclusion that I could not cover these because there was no information out there. And while we see that in cases of Black and Brown individuals who go missing in general, it was on a whole another level for people who are members of the LGBT community, especially the cases for trans women. There was one particular case I remember going over, and I came across this whole long article that was supposed to be about their disappearance. And I could tell the author really tried their hardest to spotlight this woman's case, but there simply wasn't enough info. And though there was this pretty long article, less than two paragraphs filled of information about her actual case. The rest of the information was filled up stacks and statistics and a sentence about another case here and a sentence about another case there. There is a disconnect for the way that we stand up and show up for our LGBTQ members of the community when they really need us to step up and back them. For example, in Sequoia's case, there still has never been an official search done for her by the police, at least not known publicly. Now, there has been searches for Sequoia, but the searches have been made up of family, friends, and other groups and members of the community. One particular group that really stepped up and showed out was Columbus, Ohio's Black Queer and Intersectional Collective, also known as the BQIC. And they're an organization that advocates for Black LGBTQIA plus individuals. And when Sequoia went missing, they got volunteers to distribute flyers in campus neighborhoods. They spread the news via social media to make sure people in the area knew about this case. They even went door to door and asked people on the street, have they seen Sequoia? Were they aware of her disappearance? 
So far, no new tips have been released to the public. Now, we do find out that at some point in time, Sequoia's partner, Richard, did receive a text message from someone demanding $7,000 to get Sequoia back or $500 to speak with her. That information was given over to the police, but it appears that these text messages may have been a red herring and actually may have been from someone trying to take advantage of the family going through this hard time. As I've talked about before, there is a thing where there are some sick individuals and they'll find these flyers, they'll go on to missing person forums and they'll read up on the case and they'll get a burner phone and reach out to family and tell them that, you know, if you want to see your loved one, send money in this untraceable way, do not go to the police or you'll never see your loved one again. And then they take the money and they go. And by the time families are getting hit to, okay, they might have been playing with us and they reach out to police, the scammers are already gone. Sequoia's partner, Richard, said that though they told the police about that text message, police didn't really seem to take them serious. And he's actually been coded by the Columbus Dispatch, alluding the police actually has a lot more information than they are being told. Family, I've kind of been preparing for the worst. I mean, police have let it be known that they believe that foul play is suspected. And as of right now, there are no known suspects or persons of interest. Now, according to sources, police did reach out to Sequoia's boyfriend to do a polygraph test. And this is something they have requested twice and it has not been done. Now, you guys know how I feel about polygraph tests. I'm personally not a polygraph test fan. I personally would not recommend people to take polygraph tests. The validity of them are still very, very much argued and debated about. However, him not taking it has made some people uncomfortable and concerned. The truth of the matter is, as far as anyone knows, Sequoia has no no enemies and no reason to disappear. It seemed like she was in a great place in her life and was happy. She worked as a manager at Popeye's and had no plans of taking off or calling out. And she kept up with her family and friends, talking to her grandmother on the phone every day. But no one has heard from her. Now, it does appear that police are able to get some information from her phone. The last pings they were able to get off her phone did show her phone about 15 to 20 minutes away from where she was supposed to be. There has been no updates to any social media accounts or anything. With this particular case, there are really not any theories or anything out there because we really just don't have a lot of information. But what we do know was that Sequoia is missing still, and her loved ones are still asking for the public to come forth with any information they may have at this time. Now, if you want to be a help to Sequoia's family, you can go to their GoFundMe page. Um, if you type in Finding Sequoia Devin M. Cooper, and then GoFundMe out there, it will be the first page that pops up. I'll also post a picture on my Instagram. And they're raising money so they can broaden the search for Sequoia. And also, if you want to be a help, the Black Queer Intersectional Collective, the BQIC, who I talked about earlier, who help organize searches for Sequoia, they too have a page. And on their page, they have an emergency fund where they help out individuals in their community with things like bail, medical expenses, transportation, food, etc., Head over to their website at bqic.net 
and click on their emergency fund section and see if we can be a help to them as they are putting in a lot of help and efforts in their community. From what I can tell, Sequoia's family lives out of state and the BQIC, they have been doing a lot of hands-on things on the ground when the family is not there. And we definitely want to be a blessing for them for showing up and doing so much work for their community. Now, I ask that if you have any information about the disappearance of Sequoia Cooper, that you reach out to the Columbus PD's Missing Persons Unit at 614-645-4280, or you can call Crime Stoppers and remain anonymous at 614-645-4749. As always, I thank you guys for listening. I ask that you guys cut over to Instagram at the Overlook underscore podcast. Come by, take a look at the pictures and share our flyers. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And as always, stay safe and stay vigilant. Bye. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.